Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. there. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm going to pick up the story right where they left off. <laughs> Can you guys stand with me just as an act of honor for one of the most beloved stories of our Christian faith? I, I'm going to read literally picking up the story right from Luke chapter 2. You can follow along or just listen. About that time, After the word was scooped up and put into Mary's womb, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral home to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. This is biblical foundation for the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Glory, this is what they sing. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. All who heard the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. She was totally an introvert. The the shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they'd been told. When the eighth day arrived, the day of circumcision, the child was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. 
Yay. You guys can sit down. So good. You know, there's, there's so many reasons I, I honor Mary. You know, especially when she's in the form of my daughter there. That was fun. Um, but, you know, one of them was that she had her firstborn child in, uh, in basically the corner of a farm. And, you know, I just remember writing out my birth plan. You just don't know what you're going to expect when you're a first-time mom, any first-time moms out there. And, you know, you think, like, I'm going to have a candle right there in the corner and be playing some worship music. You know, maybe some water with ice. And, like, I can't imagine when she imagined for nine months she's going to birth the Savior of the world. What would that be like? What would that feel like? What would that look like? That she was not imagining like goats right there in the corner. Like the aroma of farm life, like all about her, like like. Nothing was clean. Like, just the fact, she's my hero for the fact that she put her baby in a manger, a feeding trough. There's, like, animal slobber. Like, I'm sure their tongue hit the wood every once in a while. Like, go air. I turned in, I, I went a little bit insane when I had my first child because literally, suddenly, the entire universe was a choking hazard, was like a, a walking, you know, traumatic experience about to happen. You know, I just remember bottles of hand sanitizer everywhere, all throughout the house. Did you sanitize your hands how many times? Can you sanitize them again? Can, can I actually get a blood sample if you want to hold this child? Oh, oh, you're her grandmother? Okay, we'll still go sanitize your hands. You know, like, like crazy came over me and, and feeling the responsibility of, oh my gosh, a human being is in my care. And, you know, the way that the shepherds were going to know that this is the savior of the world was this is your prophetic sign. He's going to be laying in a feeding trough. <laughs> it, it, there was nothing sanitary or magical about the birth of Jesus. There was, there was literally no one in the inn made room for the savior of the world. Like, without even knowing he was the savior of the world, I just can't imagine one southern person. You know, if anybody in the south was in the inn, they would have given up their room. Even if it was just a normal baby in the womb, kindness would have taken over and said, hey, I'll sleep on the couch. I'll sleep out with the goats. Let the pregnant woman who's about to have this child have a little privacy and space. And not one person offered up their room. There was, there was literally no space in the one of the greatest hours of human history that would mark us for the rest of time. And, you know, it's here, right out the gate, that we fall in love with the gospel. Because the Father was letting us know 
right out the gate. You cannot contaminate my son. You can place him in a literal feeding trough and he will make what's unclean clean. That you, you can't uninvite the savior of the world. And you know, when your life feels like a feeding trough, when you feel, when there's places in your life, if anybody's ever been there, there's not only no room in the end, there's, there's no special name tag with a pretty plate and a napkin at a table. You're, you're actually pushed to the corner where all you can smell is farm life. You know, it, it is the, the enemy in that moment wants us to put off the reality of all the fullness of Jesus for a future season. When, when, when you're blowing up your life with terrible choices, you better get your act together so that Jesus can happen in your world. When you're stuck in a sin cycle, you, you better cut that thing off so Jesus can finally have a place to manifest in your life. You better get that smell out of your family line so that the savior of the world can get comfortable in your space. But listen, if your life tonight in this moment feels like a dirty feeding trough, it's time to receive your king. There's no place too low. And when it feels like your destiny is so far off, I have so much to do and accomplish before the fullness of who I was created to be is going to come to pass. It's, it's a dirty, sneaky little lie from an enemy who's jealous of your access. Because the fullness of Jesus will never be put off to another time. There's many things in our walk with the Lord that we wait on. We wait on assignments. We wait on breakthrough. We wait on personal development and growth. But the one thing we will never wait on is the fullness of Jesus. The fullness of Jesus will never be put off for a future season. It will never be put off when you finally step into more of your destiny. Jesus is your destiny. Tonight, right here, right now, right where you are. And you know, when we're having trouble breaking through a certain area of our life. Don't, don't try to work on that area. Receive your king. Receive the fullness of your savior. If your life feels like a mess, receive the son of God. It's why he came to be in the middle of messy you. And you know, in this moment, you will never be more significant in any other season of your life. Because, you know, Jesus showed us by, by being born as a teeny tiny little baby. You know, they just, when they first come out, they feel so fragile. Like, oh my gosh, is he going to break? I'm going to break her. Watch watch what you're doing with her arm. That feels like it could just pop off. They're, they're just so little. And, you know... Jesus chose to work his way through childhood, to be born as a tiny little infant who could do nothing. 
nothing. And he wasn't more significant when he was 30 than when he was one hour old. The shepherds came racing to honor him as the savior of the world. And his toes would grow, his giftings would grow, his abilities would grow, his significance would never grow. He wasn't less Jesus in a little tiny body. He was the fullness of the savior of the whole entire world. And he couldn't even say a word because significance does not grow. Your significance comes from your father. And the father had already spoken into existence. This is my beloved son. Unto us a son is given. A son. He shall be called Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, almighty God. He is, he was, he always will be. He was the savior of the world. So don't, don't put off stepping into your significance for a future season. Because when you write that book, when you sing that song, when you preach that gospel, when you start that business, when you're, when you're living in the fullness of the gifts and talents on your life, you won't be any more significant than you are in this very moment right here. Significance cannot grow. You have a full measure of identity because of what the Father has said over your life. In his opinion, if we're going to receive Jesus as the Lord of our life, we have bowed down to any opinion being greater than his. I don't, I don't like deciding what I think about certain issues. It's really popular right now. But I, I love knowing what do you think about this? Because I gave up my right to my own opinion happily. All my ideas were dumb. All my ideas and thoughts about myself and my life, they are ridiculous when compared to his thoughts and ideas about my life, his thoughts and ideas about the state of our world. I happily bow them all at his feet. And you, you gave up your rights to your own opinion about your significance when you invited the Savior of the world to be Lord of your life. And he calls you wonderful. He calls you his. He calls you his beloved. And you, you don't have access to think anything less of yourself. And, you know... Sometimes when we, we see, the, there were strangers were the first to visit Mary and her newborn son. You know, she was away from her home, away from what was comfortable, away from every deep connection in her life. She's in a foreign town, and it's just her and Joseph and the goats getting it done. And strangers show up in their personal space, to stand in awe of the Savior of the world. Stranger shepherds, you know? And, you know, the beautiful thing was that, you know, there was a handful of people celebrating the birth of Jesus, what generations had been waiting for. There was like a handful of people there. The whole world didn't bow down at all. They didn't even know about it. 
stranger shepherds that don't even have names in the Bible showed up to honor him. But the entire heavenly host showed up to sing a song. The entire army of heaven showed up in the sky to sing a song about the significance of this hour. What just happened? And, you know, when, when the shepherds showed up, when the angels happened in the sky, none of the joy over Jesus was restricted by the environment that he was born into. No one, no one stood over Jesus and felt sorry that he was laying in a feeding trough. No one said, I feel sorry for you that you don't even have a room of your own. No, they showed up with fullness of joy, singing and celebrating, being beside themselves, joy to the world. And, you know, your setting, your circumstance is never to define your joy over the fullness of Jesus. <laughs> that you have permission, that even when it feels like a feeding trough, you get fullness of joy over who Jesus is. And, you know, if if your joy isn't overwhelming in the presence of Jesus, when he is laying in a setting that stinks, just there, there's no way around. You know, some, some of us have navigated circumstances that are just hard. They're just legitimately hard. There's been legitimate rejection. There's been legitimate pain, legitimate trauma. And, you know, the hope of the whole world writes into the story the pain, writes into the story there was no room. It was a feeding trough again and again and again. Because hope, real hope, tells the real story. And fantasy is looking to our future without being anchored in the reality of the scenario. And it, it's trying to tell a story that's not your own. I want, I want someone else's life. I want someone else's story. I'm daydreaming about someone else's process. But hope is entirely anchored in all of your deficits, in all of your reality, in all of your pain. It has room to feel it all and then reach into the future and say, but my trust is in Jesus. My joy is in Jesus. I can receive the fullness of the hope of the whole entire world, no matter what's happening in my setting. And if you think it's not the proper time for the fullness of Jesus to manifest in your life, he's right on time. It's the perfect time. If the circumstances don't feel like they're in your favor, receive your king. And you know, I, I just sometimes have to stop myself and think, who am I daydreaming with right now? You know, that when you have circumstances that are not on your side or there's just mystery in your future, there's mystery in your past, who, who are you getting intimate with in your daydreams? Because if, if we're constantly thinking of the worst case scenario and it's playing out in your mind over and over, 
That's not the spirit of hope. If you're constantly playing out, there wasn't room for me in the end before, there's never going to be room for me in the end. I've never had a seat at the table in my whole life. I'm never going to have a seat at the table in the future. Like disappointment is your daydream friend. And listen, self-pity is not your friend. Fear is not your friend. Despair is not your friend. Hopelessness is not your friend. And when you lay your head on your pillow at night and your mind just starts to wander, make sure you're getting intimate with the right friend. Make sure you're getting intimate and you're pulling close a spirit of hope the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that said, nothing is impossible. I I came through the womb of a woman who was a virgin. Like, let's be believing believers. If we can't believe in the God of breakthrough, breaking through our circumstances, we need to go back to the foundation of our faith because what we believe is crazy. It's crazy. So if we're going to be crazy, let's just fully commit. Let's fully commit. And, you know, he paid too extraordinary of a price for us to have mediocre hope. He paid a ridiculous, outrageous price. He put on flesh and took time to grow. We don't have permission to have any area of our life living with average hope. We we can't daydream like the world daydreams. If impossibility isn't funneling through our thought life when we lay our head on our pillow, we're living below our nature. It's time to get our hopes up. It's time to get outrageous in our thought life about what could be. What could be? How could he show up in this stinky manger in the corner of my soul? The the part that I have no access. I'm going to just cut the tape and say, I receive my king. I receive my king. And you know, the what we magnify will become what overwhelms us in our life. And you know, if you feel like you are sitting in, in the corner of a stinky farm life, you know, and I'm not an animal person. So if you love pigs and cows, you're going to have to think of another analogy biblically somewhere. <laughs> but I mean, when I first started dating my husband, off Christmas story topic, um, he, he took me to his house the first time and he had a, a bearded dragon, like in a cage that ate live, live crickets. <laughs> Who's named Gwynny. And it, it almost like literally was like, oh, I'm done. Like this is, at this point, at this point I, I exit whatever's going on here. Because you, you share a room with a bearded dragon. Like there's your bed and there's the bearded dragon. That has all sorts of not right in my core value system. <laughs> and you know, The fullness of Jesus looks different in different seasons. (laughs) And in this season, he was a tiny little baby, but he was the star of the show. 
He was the center of attention. And every other circumstantial setting in the story took a back seat because the savior of the world was here. And the shepherds didn't come to investigate if it was true. They weren't running and leaping and singing besides themselves with excitement to be investigators. They didn't bring their notepad. They came to worship, to be in wonder, to, to see what is this incredible thing. And listen, investigators build a case. That's what they do. And questions aren't wrong. Friends ask questions, but investigators also ask questions. And let's make sure we're being friends and not investigators. Let's make sure that we're being the type of believers that are coming as friends, that we're not coming to investigate. Could it be this good? Could God truly show up to shepherds? I mean, nobody cares about here, us out here. We're like the lowest of the lowest in society. Why would the host of heaven show up to us? Was, was this a mistake? Was that all a figment of our imagination? How, how could this be? They, they, they didn't come running to prove that what they believed was true. They came running to experience what they already believed was true. And your faith is what sets you up for awe and wonder and majesty. You don't show up at the presence of Jesus and decide if you're going to believe he's fully manifested in your circumstances. You run towards your circumstances knowing I'm about to see and behold the fullness of Jesus. I'm about to bow my whole life before the majesty of the Savior of the world. And if you're constantly pulling out a notebook to prove that what Jesus has said is true, you've stepped into a, a role and a conversation with the accuser. He's, he's constantly building cases. You know, and we don't have time for that kind of notebook. <laughs> we don't have time for that kind of dialogue. We believe that what he said is true, and that's enough. He, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So wherever you're at in any of your circumstances, let's magnify the reality. God is with me. God is with me. And what realm am I going to be more aware of? There was a handful of shepherds and Joseph and Mary in the natural but there was an entire heavenly host singing songs on the edge of heaven's seat. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. And you know, so much of our internal life hinges on what world are we going to be more aware of? Are you, are you going to be moved by the fact that no one is affirming that Christ is in you? Because he was, he was born of a woman that you could be born of the Spirit. And on your insides right here, right now, today, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And how much do we need to affirm that Christ is alive on my insides? Do, do we need 
faithful shepherds and two strangers? Or are we aware that every angel in heaven, the, the, you know, the parable with the coin says, rejoices over one sinner that repents? Can you hear the sound of heaven over your life, your daily humdrum, me going about my business life? Because it's significant and it's profound because the hope of the whole entire world is living and breathing on your insides. And, you know, uh, a, a few weeks ago I was in a wrestle in the middle of the night because I'm just growing in, in areas of my life. Anybody ever grown before? No, I've been feeling like that awkward kid, you know, that has that weird growth spurt and your clothes are like this and you have high waters and nothing fits and you're like, dude, your parents need to get you some more clothes. I'm like, I've told him, I've told him, I feel awkward, father, I feel awkward. And you know, his response is always like, I have zero concern about how you appear. So the quicker you can have zero concern about how you appear, the more you're just totally going to enjoy this process. <laughs> All right. I love this. I love this. I love this. <laughs> so he, he says, if you care. Okay, so I'm wrestling. It's like 2 a.m. And, and he, let me just say it right. If you change your message, the sound coming off of your life, when it feels like no one's listening, you will change your message when it feels like everyone's listening. And do you want to be the type of person that changes your message based on who's listening? Who, who are you being when no one's looking? Is Christ in you the hope of glory? When, when I'm doing the laundry... I like to talk to him just like I do before I'm going to preach the gospel. You know, when I'm just going about my normal everyday life, he wanted this. He wanted to walk with me and talk with me in the cool of the day. And we will never grow to a more significant place than being his son or his daughter. Because Jesus is our model of significance and he came as the most significant one, the son of God. And there's nowhere to grow in your life in and out of every season than belonging to him. So when, when your life feels the most mundane, talk to him and enjoy his fullness like you would if you're on the height of all your dreams coming true. Because if he isn't at the center of our joy, when all there is is a feeding trough and the stench of farm animals, he will not be our joy when there's room in the end and there's a candle setting the environment and everybody's shouting your name. And it's, it's, it's the low places in our life where we fall in love because intimacy happens one-on-one. -on -one. Intimacy doesn't happen in a crowd. Intimacy happens in relationship. And, you know, in my life, it takes the most faith when I'm living at the fullness of my faith to believe he's the type of God who wanted me just to have me in, in my little tiny life. And that when we 
minister or do the things we feel are significant or that the world calls significant. It is to come out of our resting place of sonship. Because the whole world is craving a place where they're wanted, a place where they belong, a place at the table that says, I'm never alone. And, you know, there's not a greater joy in my life than my, my relationship with him. And I, I, could, I think we could all feel the same exact way. So in, as we just celebrate the Christmas spirit, I just want you to give yourself permission just to take it all the way back to the manger. That if everything is stripped away and all I have is the promise of Jesus, I have all that I need. And, and when you start to feel the anxiety of a crazy world spinning all around you, step out of that realm and savor, Savior, God is with me. The hope of glory is on my insides. You know, I remember this, this one time sitting on the couch and I was just in a tough season and I was just waiting on the Lord and I heard him so clearly say, I'm not using you. And I felt super confused because I, I planned, you know, at nine, I, I decided I was going to be a martyr. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to be a martyr, you know? And I'm like, I, what? You know, you're not using me. This has been like my childhood cry, you know? <laughs> I burned all of the bridges. Like, what else am I going to do? You know? And, and he said, you know, I'm not trying to fix you up so I can finally do something with you. I have no end goal in my relationship with you. I love you because I love you. I want to be with you because I want to be with you. I want to know you because I want to know you. I want to be close to you because I want to be close to you. And, and our response is the same. Jesus, I have no end goal in mind with you. I'm not trying to get somewhere in this life. I want to know you, Jesus, to know you. I want to be with you to be with you. I want to walk with you to walk with you. And if I do nothing else with my life but know you, I know my heart is anchored in eternity because this is eternal life to know him. And, you know, this is, I've been meditating on Acts 10, 38. Did you not hear about Jesus of Nazareth who, who was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Let our starting place in all of our life be God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. I do what I do because God is with me. I live how I live because God is with me. And you know, Ephesians says, we were once far off. We were once disconnected. And now 
how because of the perfect blood of Jesus, we have been brought delightfully close. Delightfully close. And in this moment, no matter what lies are firing off in your mind, no matter what things you feel like you have to get right, right now, Jesus is delightfully close. He is delightfully close because he took all the pressure off your thought life. He took all the pressure pressure off of your condition and bent to sin. We couldn't do it. We tried our very hardest and we didn't even get close. (laughs) We were twisted beyond repair. It's why he came. And so if, if your current growth plan as we look forward to 2018 isn't hinging on belief in the perfect blood of Jesus, isn't hinging on believing that what he says is true, if all the pressure is on me, I've missed the gospel. And what a tragedy if we work hard our entire lives trying to get something we already have. You have been brought delightfully close. And we we are going to grow. We are going to mature. But it's going to be from a place of seated in heavenly places, delightfully close to Jesus. And so as, as we just head into Christmas week, I just want all of us just to be reduced down to the manger. If you, do, if you don't have a seat at the table in the natural, listen to the sound of heaven over your life. You couldn't be more wanted. You couldn't be more desired. If, if your life literally smells like a stench of death, receive your king treasure Jesus. Magnify Jesus. Magnify the fullness of his promise over your personal life. So let's just go ahead and stand up. So Jesus, we just, we just take time just, just to let our whole life hinge on believing that what you said is true. We just take, we just take time, we take stock that I, I've been brought delightfully close because of everything you did, because of the perfection of who you are. So we just welcome you in the high places. We welcome you in the low places and we truly treasure you We treasure you. Your presence is truly the greatest gift, the delight of our life, the joy. It's what found us down in the valley. It's what cheers us on up on the mountaintop. That that there is nowhere we would ever want to go or even desire to be if you're not there. And so, Jesus, we just say, We just realign our value in all of life for your presence to be at the tip top. That all the days of our life, we value and treasure that you are God with us. That you are Emmanuel. And we just blow you up big. We blow you up so big 
the awe of you, the wonder of you, the miracle that God would want to be with us in our everyday, ordinary little life. And, and we just say we receive the fullness of who you are. Let's just end with this song together. Turn your eyes upon Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.